tap that till it fell apart. Penis cookies? If you want to kill him off, just leave him dead. I heard a rumor that my boob flopped out. Welcome to the Trade Secrets Podcast. My ability to summon fish is of no use for this top wing building. If it wasn't for shitting on the floor, I'd still think you're a robot. Comic book talk by comic book geeks just like you. What we did not know was that Nikolai Tesla was the original designer of the Fleshlight. Now that makes a lot more sense. I don't. He was talking about her box and not her box. And now your hosts, Luke Matthews. The trade paperback comes with the first six issues. And Bean. Either they're trying too hard to be yeah. like, I'm a Langston and shit, or they're not trying at all, and they're like, okay, so you wrote adults with cute haircuts. Joel Simon. Burn. Ah! <laughs> uh, no, I'm going to buy it. And Andy Padel. I, no, I, I have read everything that he's written. Okay. I hate all of it. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to episode 20 of the Trade Secrets Podcast. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> I am Luke. Oh, my God. Can I get a sentence out without some kind of noises I'm going on here? Probably not. No. <laughs> Hello, Anne. Hello. How are you today? I'm well. Good evening, Joel Simon. Howdy. <laughs> Where are y'all? <laughs> Hello, Andrew Padell. <laughs> fuck, fuck your didgeridoo. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, this episode of the Trade Secrets Podcast, we are going to be discussing Osamu Tezuka's Adolf. It's a thirty-year-old manga. Uh, yes, it is uh, almost impossible to find, but we'll talk about that later. So, um, I, I, I'm impressed that you got. Osama Tezuka correct and then stumbled on Adolf just to let you know <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what happened there Wait. I didn't stumble see this thing is I didn't stumble on the pronunciation of the word I stumbled on remembering what it was while I was staring at the title of the book <laughs> I have no idea that? what's going on we're gonna be talking about <laughs> the book uh, Sleep Near Yggdrasil <laughs> uh, it's uh, his book called Steve <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then later in the show we are gonna call forth Mixelplick so, like you do. Oh, I'm tired. How about you guys? I still haven't are recovered we, from Thanksgiving. Let's put it that way. Are we going to have another NPR? No, show? no, I'm, fe- I'm feeling pretty good. N- not about the book, but I'm feeling pretty good. <laughs> so, what have you been reading other than Adolf lately, there, Andy? I am out of my slump from Holy Terror. Thank God. I went to my comic book store and picked up five weeks of comics. Wow. <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> so my Did pull you, bo- like, rent a moving truck? <laughs> no, no. So my, my, my pull box got filled up. They took everything out, put it in a box, like, um, like a short box? Like a short, like a short box. Uh-huh. Then filled up the pull box again. <laughs> And there's not that many good comics that come out every I had month. Some trades sir. as well that were. Right. And most people, they're just like this. Guy, this fucker's not coming back. We should just put this back on the shelf. I'm like, no, he'll show. No, they emailed me at work, and they were like, "Hey, we also were wondering if you wanted to order this and this and this. <laughs> we know that you're busy at work, but like, there. So there's there's a rule. It's uh, I think every if you don't show up for uh, six weeks, then they'll charge your credit card and whatnot. Like that was never a question for them. They're like calling me up. So. Um, 
you haven't made this month's previews yet, but we just want to point out like 17 things to you, <laughs> including this Batman statue that they're reissuing. I'm like, oh yeah, fuck yeah, I want that. Single-handedly paying their rent. Yeah, yeah pretty much. I, I don't know well about then. that. Let's see. Uh, X Uncanny X-Force, the Dark Angel saga is ending. It's so good. Brick Remender is really just nailing that book. It's so much better than the original X-Force. Nailing it hard. Hot. Sixth Gun. Other than that, uh, the new Azarillo Rizzo book, Spaceman. I don't know how I feel about it. It's not making much sense to me. (laughs) Well, that doesn't really surprise me. There's only been two issues so far. Um, What's it about? So in the future... Spaceman. Duh. The government genetically engineers a group of guys to become astronauts on Mars. Uh, Something goes horribly wrong with the mission. They haven't really revealed that yet. And it... Like, it's time jumping quite a bit. Um, and then, sort of in the modern day, one of the spacemen, um, he's like a salvage guy uh, in the ocean for scrap. And there was a kidnapping of a celebrity's child, and he finds the boat that did the kidnapping, and that's about all that makes sense so far. So, uh, I, I have not read the book uh, somebody that I follow on Twitter and I don't remember who has and said that one of the problems that they have with it is the slang. The, the sl- like the future slang actually pulls them out of yeah. reading the book. Um, so an example of a book that did a really good job of using future slang is uh, Ultraviolet Black. <clears throat> yeah, but that does a really good job of throwing in just enough slang to make it feel like it's different, but you can still follow what they're saying. Sure. They normally use the slang for insults or something very specific that... I think like within the con- Galactica. Within the context of the sentence, you can yeah. figure out what it is. Um, okay, what else have I read? New Mutants. I'm sort of... I've got this giant stack of Amazing Spider-Mans that I'm going to read in one sitting. Like, I haven't read Spider-Island yet. <laughs> like, any of it. <laughs> wow. Oh, wow. Uh, and it, I mean, it comes out three times a month, so... yeah. It's going to be glorious when I'm on a vacation in three weeks. Nice. I'm just going to sit there and just read and read and read. Yeah, Spider-Man. I'm I'm kind of doing the same thing uh, for the winter break from my work. I'm gonna I'm gonna read a bunch of comics and watch a bunch of TV shows, pretty much. <laughs> Fuck it, I'll just go ahead and since I'm talking, I'll talk about what I'm reading. I started reading Local by Fuck Brian yeah. Wood. Uh, I don't know about the fuck yeah. It's um it's interesting. It's so it's a story of it's a, a girl I don't remember her name because it's I've been reading a lot of shit right lately but it's basically a, a story about this girl who kind of flits around all over the country and each each issue there's 12 issues and each issue takes place in a different city and when it's when it's covering her I'm fine with it but there are a couple issues where she's literally a cameo and I'm I'm not a fan of those. Like they they were kind of like I just didn't care about the storylines, right? Like mm-hmm. and she kind of shows up and she's kind of in the background and other things are happening around her, but she's not like there's one where the the whole thing was about some fucking band and it talks about the individual members of the band couched in an interview with the lead singer, former lead singer because it's after the band breaks up. And she's literally in the comic book for two pages. Huh. And it's it's good. It's good. It's it's the dialogue's good. Um, it's well. The the artwork is really really pretty. Um, but I haven't and I haven't finished it. I'm only through issue eight of twelve. Um, yeah. So follow me through on this real quick. Like the reason I'm such a big fan of local is because without things like local and demo, 
Brian Wood wouldn't have gotten the notoriety that he has now. Sure. And we wouldn't have Conan by Brian Wood and... Was local Didn't he do DMZ? Northlanders, too? He did Northlanders. He yeah. did DMZ. Or he's doing DMZ. Yeah. DMZ's <laughs> not quite done yet. He did, like, he's doing Conan He's now? doing Conan with Becky Cloonan. That's awesome. Is he doing the... Is he doing... Is he taking over the ongoing that started with the no, other... I think that's wrapping up. Oh, it is? Okay. Because um, that, that ongoing is amazing. Like, I, it has been... I have all but two of the hardbacks. Yeah, I, I'm i missing three of the hardbacks, basically. Frost Giant's Daughter, just to let you know. The it's first, fucking expensive. I know. You know what? I found one on amazon.com for $34 and I was going to buy it and I talked to the um the the seller is a local guy from Seattle, right? He was charging $11 for shipping. And I was like, "Hey, I'm Seattle local and I want to buy this. Is there any way that I can just pick it up from you wherever you are?" And he's like, "No, I can't do that." And I was like, I emailed him like, "Why?" And he's like, "Oh, I've got. I can't. You know, I can't pull the listing from Amazon, or they charge me. And I'm. And I know that's a. I know that's bullshit for one. Yeah. Um, which which means that his actual answer was the shipping is only going to cost me a dollar, but I'm charging eleven, so I can't. I yeah, can't but the hand listed it to price you in person. comes yeah. down really low. So, so I'm also reading. I also read uh, Batman the Black Glove. <laughs> it's not that good. Written by Grant Morrison, uh, Tony Daniel, and J.H. Williams III do the art. It's, it's not good. A black glove. It was a. It was an interim story before before Batman Morrison R. got into Batman R.I.P. and Batman and Robin. Mm. This was like the lead up because there's Batman and Son, which is the first one with Damian Wayne where he shows up, and then the Black Glove is the bridge between Batman and Son and Batman R.I.P. And it's really just the the trade's bad. I uh, you know I, I thought about it because I was talking to Andy about it oh, a couple Tuesday. days ago and I was like it you know, maybe it's okay blah, blah, blah. and the more I talked about it the more I realized it's just bad the storylines are bad there's two completely unrelated stories in it like a four issue story and a, like a three issue story that are completely have nothing to do with each other whatsoever they have nothing to do with gloves at all like well Not they even they do right. I think the only reason it exists is because the black glove becomes a recurring villain later on black glove sounds suspiciously Wait. similar to rubber fist just saying <laughs> oh my god <laughs> I, I just really have a problem with DC naming conventions. I think that's my biggest hurdle to reading DC is just their naming conventions. That's completely understandable. It, it, it's so – because there's, they're stupid, okay? You, you just pick a primary color and then something about <laughs> it. The mean, red hood, the uh, black glove, the, the, black glove, <laughs> the green exactly. lantern, the black eye. They, they have a character, Matter Eater Lad. You know, like, <laughs> what? Arm fall off boy. Yeah. Yeah, arm fall off boy. They're from uh, the Legion three thousand. Yeah, plastic yeah. man. Wait, come actual on, arm don't forget elastic boy? man. Elongated e- man. Elongated man. Yeah, there, there's elongated exactly. man, plastic man, and elastic man. If yeah. I remember right. I think there's a fourth one, isn't <laughs> there? Weird. I mean, I and I know DC. that Marvel is just as hokey, but at least they try to put some kind of eighties cool swing on it, like Wolverine or uh, Gambit, Cyclops or Gambit. Well, yeah. not to mention the fact that that when Marvel rehashes their older characters with the stupid names, they actually take a minute to. Like, kind of make fun of it, right? They they call it right, out, right. and they and, and DC doesn't. They just no. expect it to be no, okay. Like, of course, like Gambit. <laughs> Gambit, Scott if he was a DC character, be like, oh hey, Jean. Oh, no, sorry, you're not Jean Grey at all. <laughs> J.K. Law. Jean Grey and DC no. would be Psychic Girl. They, yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah, and then so I did. Card, I thought, girl. Gambit would be card thrower guy. Yeah. The red lady. <laughs> card checker. You know, card. No, no, that'd probably be bad. <laughs> just card thrower. Um, card beast, beast would be. Blue Beast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Silver claws. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, I, and that's the one thing that just annoys me. Blue, blue Sentry beetle. would be Superman. Wait, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. So that's my one. I can't get over that with DC. I don't know why. It's just yeah. one of my things. So Black Glove is actually a villain. Yes. Okay. Yes. Black Glove is a oh, villain. Black Glove is a human. No. <laughs> or, uh, you know, entity with brains. Yeah. I thought it was just a Black Glove that went around, kind of like the six gun. I was just imagining was just Batman slapping people with his gauntlet. Really. That's what you do. You put on the Black Glove and it takes over your hand. <laughs> And then your hand controls you and you kill stuff. Exactly. A uh, Evil Dead 2. And too. then you cut it off and replace it with a chainsaw. Mm-hmm. Yes. It could Groovy. be done. So, so what's the superpower of the Black Glove? He's, it's not really a superpower. Protection from frost. <laughs> <laughs> in the, in the storyline that, that he shows up in... Uh, he can hold hot plates. You know what? <laughs> yeah, sorry. That's so much better than anything I was going to say. I'm not going to talk about it. It's just not good. Okay. No, no, I no. can loan it to you so you can read it and be frustrated. No, um, and the other thing I've been reading is I bought these first four Heart Spawn Origins hardcovers. You just fucking um, dove into those things, man. Hey, I Spawn Spawn. Hold, I have a soft soft spot in my heart for Spawn um, because so does the Vindicator. Yes, <laughs> because a soft spot in his heart from Spawn. Yeah. <laughs> I uh Spawn was one of the comics that got me like really hardcore into comics when I was a kid. Um I had a lot of stuff from the eighties like Transformers and G.I. Joe and my I, I had read some of my brother's Vigilante. Um and then Spawn was one of the first ones that I collected myself. Like from, from issue one to I, I got up to issue eighty one and it was in the box that burned up in the fire. They were all in the box that burned up in the fire. So I've always had this soft spot. I, I liked the comic. It's reading it. Yeah, right. Reading it again. It's of course it's not as good. It's it's you know it's dated. It's got some it's got some issues. I'll the one thing I will say, this book is beautiful. Like mm. it is a beautiful hardcover. The colors good. look really good. The, the cover the is pretty. Cover I just is awesome. By their cover. The only thing about it is at the beginning of every issue, they have an excerpt from an interview with John with uh, Todd McFarlane. Mm. So he's just like, <laughs> <laughs> that's actually how he talks all the time. He doesn't say words. I bought a baseball. That's to say it. I lost four million on a baseball. I lost four million on a baseball. Uh, it's sorry. I make action figures. The the problem the problem with the interview is that it's an old it's well I'm not super old but a relatively old interview from Miller World and it just feels really fucking pretentious. Mark Millar what? interviewing Todd McFarlane. Yeah, right? God. Wait, but it was from Miller World? Millerworld.com? Yeah. yeah. Mark Miller's website. Really? It's called Miller World. It's called yeah. Miller World, yeah. That because that I'm like fucking awesome. Com was taken <laughs> because winning. He wants to be Disney. Grant Morrison sucks. Com wasn't going to work. So anyway, go on. E- yeah. So the comic book is still. I still enjoy the comic book. God the, damn it, Luke! I'm gonna have to buy these. Now. Yeah. Right. Like, they I'm look really good. Read them as single issues. So I actually uh, had a job in Indiana where I my job was to detassel corn which is when you pull the husk out of corn oh. so it grows more. And with my first paycheck, I bought most of those issues mm-hmm. in that book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the the interview parts just, I don't know, they, they feel as pretentious as you would expect from Todd McFarlane, mm. which kind of sucks. Mm. That's, because it's like the, the Star Wars 4, 5, and 6 that I have on VHS that mm. has like 20 minutes 
of interviewing with George Lucas at the front, yeah. which is really He's such an interesting guy. You remember you those? It's, yeah. it's his, his neck. neck. <laughs> the waddle is The neck says that I must tell you. It's a, it's an alien symbiote. That's where the Gungans came from. He has turned into Jabba the It's an alien symbiote in the neck waddle, dude. That's the only reason that that he does any of the things that he does. So I can't remember we talked about on the show or if it was before the show, but those books that I'm reading, there's a a group of Hasidic Jews who are like a strike force against supernatural creatures. And they have these beard, like, oh, God, not, uh, I keep wanting to say Cenobites. That's not, symbiotes. Okay. That, like, move around and whatnot. Beard and every time I read different. about them, I think of George Lucas's neck. <laughs> oh, God. So I have a picture As of, like, I. George Lucas with, like, the, the locks and you know, whatnot. <laughs> and the symbiote. And the symbiote. Wait, yeah. this, nice. is a, this is a comic book, though? No, this is a book book. This is a book book. Yeah. Okay. Filled with words. Out of somebody's <laughs> fever dream. A book book. <laughs> Holy cow. What are you reading, Joel? You're going to just skip Anne? No, you should. Because honestly, I didn't read okay. books. No, because, I, right, because we have to go in table order here. What the we're fuck? We're making a Z shape. I'm, I'm confused. We can, I'm coming from the future right now. There's okay. no order here. Okay, there you go. What? The, the look is not necessary. I, I was reading Gladstone's um, School, School for, World, for Conquerors. World Conquerors. Yeah, yeah. And even though Andy ruined it, it was pretty good. <laughs> Did I really ruin it? You, you actually after after reading it, no, you didn't. Snape kills No, before. you didn't. I mean, that was that was a main. I mean, when they did get to it, it didn't have the same dramatic weight that it should have. It was like, well, yeah, of course, they're, the whole pact was made. But the, the most powerful villain in the world had taken over this school, and then he decided to make a pact with the good guys and then make money off of it. So he's the guy that always wins, but all the other villains tend to lose to you know Superman and, and mm-hmm. Batman and all those guys. And if I was a supervillain, wouldn't you set yourself up to where you didn't have to do any work, but you get all the rewards for it it's called what? capitalism yep exactly and it's evil guys would do that fucking one percent yay one percent so um I yeah hi gladstones uh, it, yeah gladstones <laughs> is pretty oh, cool um S- skull kickers i was reading that this this is stuff on thwipster uh the one thing that i that i kind of like that it is campy and there's this whole kind of um sound effects that whenever they do a, a an attack or something like that, like, oh, gut punch or massive punch. Before you say something, Mint. no, he has not read Battle Chasers Hasselhoff. yet. No, no, I know. No, I, I haven't read Battle Chasers yet. But I've, I've read some Skull Kickers and I thought it was all right. Yeah. I, th- I think people, I think it's overrated. It's very okay. overrated. I think the, people go nutballs because... Um, looks like, yeah. wait, hold, hold, hold on, hold on. Yeah. Can, I, can I get my umbrella first before you rain on my parade? Yes. Okay. Deployed. Go ahead. No, I just think it's overrated. It's not that it's bad. It's no. that it's, you know, it's, I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know. I've it's, read it's, worse. It's the, the Twilight it's Syndrome. People are just like, oh, my God, it's so amazing. It's so good. And it's, yeah. it's fantasy. And they make jokes. And it's like Shrek. So it came out. And of, it just. I don't, I don't know if it's, it, it's like Shrek. But I do like how it's these two swashbucklers that are going through and just causing mayhem. And. They kick ass, take names. The, yeah. the story is fun. Yeah, I think gum. the art is a little bit too Prince Valianty. <laughs> really? Yeah. I kind of want to read it based on that. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> like when you read it, like if you read it, um, like it'll immediately pop in your head. Like, okay, no, I can see that. But uh, so it was really super hyped when it came out. Like, really, it, it came out about ten months after Chew did, mm. and people were like, "Oh, this is going to be the next Chew." 
Um, How many no. times have image has have people have image fans said that since Chew came out? Several. Yeah. Well, you know, and lots of shit they've been putting out, and everybody's like, oh, go, go, go. well, the, and the and the new one is, I, I guess, girls from the Luna Brothers. They're really trying to push that too. But that's that's, that's already not done. New. I was going to say that's been out for yeah. It's been out for a while. It's terrible. Okay. It's really boring. I heard it was really good. See. And the, and I, well, if you want a really good image comic, new image comic, go Morning read Glories. fucking Luther Strode. Okay, like that's a good image yeah. comic. Has Morning, it been collected? You, you read Morning yeah. Glories? Out? No, it's coming in the mail. Okay, I'll get it. Has it been collected yet? No. It is. Okay. Yeah. Luther Strode? Oh no no no! Morning Glories. Yeah, Morning Glories has been collected. Luther Strode is not. No, correct. Morning Glo- or Luther Strode isn't even done. It's only on issue three. Issue, issue three actually came out yesterday. Yeah. So. And uh, Morning Glory's hardcover, I'm getting the misprinted edition that got recalled. Excellent. Like, Hope yeah, right. they, they printed one They that there's an entire unlettered page in the, in the book. And uh, I got a letter, I got an email from Thwipster, and they're like, you know, we wouldn't normally sell something that's, that's so busted like this. And I sent, and you can get a refund and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, fucking send it to me. Are that's, you kidding me? That's a three-legged <laughs> buffalo. That's yeah, and the, that's the upside down, yeah. Yeah, right. Biplane print. And then uh, and my my idea is I'm going to take it to a con wherever the writer of Morning Glories and I'm going to hand it to him. I'm going to open it to the unlettered page and be like, write whatever you want. (laughs) Just just excellent. Fuck, 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 fuck. Eat a bag of dicks. You reading anything else? Um, Well, I was just going to say I'm hooking up with Thwipster. I'm finally, I finally, no, I finally, really? yes, yes. Damn, good for the you, shit man. It is hot. Thwipster is, no, I love that website. slumming it. the clap. It is the clap because they, they have some good deals on that. Yeah, it is Thwipster. Some, I stay the fuck away from Thwipster. I spend enough on comics already. Yeah. And it's not like I'm going to be like, oh, well, I would spend, let's say, $100 a week. So I'll just buy $100 of stuff off Thwipster. No, I'd be like, well, I used to spend a hundred dollars a week at my <laughs> local brick and mortar. Now I'm spending like three hundred dollars a week on trades. It's so easy. Yeah, but the one thing is the, the complete deal- Shadowhawk for fifty bucks. That's an amazing deal, dude. <laughs> in one in one fell swoop, I bought four Spawn hardcovers, the Baltimore hardcover, oh. and the twentieth anniversary See. Bone slipcase edition. He's the nice. boom. Right there. Right there. You don't want to be that guy. I am that guy. I know. Yeah. I'm telling Andy. I've got two more packages coming from you. Oh, God. I've just got one package coming yeah. for you. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, but Joel's you know, apparently got a package going for Twipster. <laughs> so, yes, I do. I, I, I like it because they have some really good deals there. And I got like a Christmas gift there, too, for, for a good deal. Okay. And um, that's about it. it. Shut up, you know, Matt. which is which is funny enough. Because I'm sorry. I have all this stuff, and I'm still buying stuff on Thwipster, and I haven't even read uh, the collected version of Criminal. I still have that shrink wrapped. I need to break that out. And Gula Casanova Gula. It, I don't know what it is. What else haven't you read, Joel? Um, and what um, are you reading? Uh, I have sad stories to tell, which it's sad because like I'm not doing school right now. Um, all I've been reading is uh, I read the first three trades of Adolf, and I've been playing video games, so I'm on the wrong podcast for that. <laughs> what are you playing? Psychonauts. Good game. Right? Fantastic. Game. You can't even play a new game? No, it's on 10 bucks on Steam. You I have a Mac. Oh, God, you're playing it on PC? I'm on Mac. Oh. Which and uh, the first time I played it, I played it on PlayStation. She's and playing a ten-year-old game on the Mac, right? Awesome. Thank you. Um, and yes, the controls are wretched. 
and th- and after that i read like books that were entirely made of words and then i did like nothing so okay my so a lot of stories, Adolf, oh basically. i actually read a thousand one uh nights of snowfall good book which, fables yeah. which was solid oh and the had, fables book okay. yeah. Yeah. um oh my god is it, it had sam, a lot of not sam and max bill and max shit what's the other book book for fables peter and max oh i don't know i, I haven't read, read that. it it's the it's the other book book of fables i'll check it out I, I liked 1001 Nights of Snowfall. It had a really solid solid concept and a lot of cool artists and writers in it. And it was fun. I don't think it was, like, amazing, but it was it was solid. For the next show, you want to maybe take some time to read those Why the Last Man trades you borrowed from me? Oh, I will be Whoa, on, yeah, yeah. on the okay. couch for a week <laughs> doing this Luke, thing. did you have to do that? Recovering from surgery. Did you have to bring that up? Did I have to? No, of course not. Okay. So yeah, did but I, I have been want to? Yeah. Because well, here it comes. How, how long... Have you had those Why the Last Man's? Oh, I've been solidly ignoring them for like... Four months. Four months. Hey, Joel, how long have you had that Swamp Thing? Volume one? Dude, that's two, a good book. Two years? Two years? Two, two years. How about good, Long Halloween? Good book. One, one year. Okay. Quit your bitching, Luke. I don't let people borrow shit for that we long. We should even talk about Swamp Thing with Alan Moore writing because it's... It's good. Is it good? It's good. Oh, man. God damn it. I'm so Who would know, Joel? I'm so going to be else. like, I think for our next Trade Secrets episode, we're going to read Neonomicon and just watch your mind disintegrate. <laughs> no, fuck you. You don't get to, Luke, you do not get to be like, no, we're not reading that. You're like, holy terror. say no. It's going to be a polarizing No, bunch. I'm not saying we're not going to read it. I was just shaking my head. Would they oh make God. that a trade, though? It, it's already been traded. Really? Yeah. It was recommended trade at my comic shop. Really? They've yes. got it at Barnes because and Noble. Because they couldn't sell it. Whoa. Well, they've got it at Barnes and Noble. I'm not sure what that My means. mind was fucking blown. That is kind of hilarious. Spider Man, Spider Man, does whatever a spider can. Spins a web any size, catches thieves just like flies. Look out! Here comes the Spider Man. Is he strong? Listen, bud. He's got radioactive blood. Can he swing from a thread? Take a look overhead. Hey there, there goes the Spider-Man. In the chill of night, at the scene of a crime, like a streak of light, he arrives just in time. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Welcome, fame, he's ignored. Action is his reward to him. Life is a great big bang up. Since the last show, we have read Osamu Tezuka. See, you know, now I can't get it right. Osamu Tezuka's Adolf. Uh, Osamu Tezuka is most well known for Astro Boy, um, amongst many other. Unico. Unico, Isle of Magic. I have no idea what you're talking about. It's fucking amazing. You haven't lived a complete life. Uh, okay, maybe I need to check out Unico Island of Magic. Look at is the that cartoon. Osamu Tezuka? Yeah, it is. It is? Okay. Um, it is a story that's set during the beginnings of World War II. At least the one we read is the, during the beginnings of World War II. The entire series carries through the end of World War II. Okay. So, there you um, go. And the, the basis of the story is it, it centers around three characters all named Adolf. Uh, it is... Adolf Hitler being one of them, of course, and then two children living in Japan during World War II, uh, one of which is a uh, a German Jew living in Japan, the other of which is a German boy whose father is part of the a member of the Nazi party. And his mother's Japanese. <coughs> and his mother's Japanese. Uh, 
and the two the two kids are our friends they're both named adolf and they're friends um partially because of their name um and it's uh it it's an interesting like the first trade kind of follows kind of a weird line so there's two parallel storylines that go throughout the series one is the story of the two boys and kind of their their relationship and their relationship to the the great dark secret a lot of the series um revolves around the secret of adolf you know during the time secret of adolf hitler's jewish ancestry the other main character um, i don't think it was ever proven by the documents in the thing no uh I thought I'm it was, saying. but I haven't. It, it, it was. It's never. The, it's just, yeah. Whatever. I haven't researched, so I couldn't say. Um, the other main character is uh, an inspector figure named Toge, who is um, sort of a sort of the who narrator fucks of the story. People into suicide. Hey, like you do. <laughs> 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 uh. And uh, hey. <laughs> And so how was it for you? Bitch! No! <laughs> fucking betraying, bitch! Fucking betraying, bitch! Fucking betraying, bitch! Didn't we read that in Holy Terror? <laughs> right. <clears throat> anyway, so there's those storylines that go parallel to each other throughout the entire series. This one, I think, is I'm sorry, about 50-50. I, for- I forgot to add the, the qualifier, fucks virgins into suicide. I, non-virgins he does later with or better with later oh okay less fucking into suicide <laughs> they only just cut themselves a little bit afterwards Let, wait less More fucking or less. or less suicide less suicide oh okay well that's the better of the two right uh you why don't you start and talk about like what you think of the book because you're the one that sure. suggested it so, so the reason why i picked this i read it about 10 years ago and it was a book i checked out from the library and i didn't realize it was so fuck off obscure to get so uh i'm gonna preface this entire podcast by saying this is more of an um, and thinks that osama tezuka is neat and i do think this series is neat but at the end you'll see that it's a solid borrow unless you're a history nerd (laughs) in which case it's a solid buy unless you can find it at the library like you did and just steal it yeah well that that would be valid i would completely (laughs) support that um because the first and third Issues or trades are ridiculously hard to find, and the fourth, second, and fifth are like everywhere. cheap. Yeah, and cheap. I don't understand madness. Whatever. Um, so the reason that this is interesting to me is it's a World War II story from Japanese perspective, and it's written by Osamu Tezuka, who is sort of the equivalent of Will Eisner for Japan ish. Mm-hmm. Um, he's called the God of Manga, and he's like he was one of the original. He wrote for. He wrote things that were intended for children, young adults, adults. He was really just kind of across the board, did a lot of... He did, has this huge series that's about the life of Buddha. Um, so he does some like historical stuff like Buddha and Adolf, but he also does like fantasy and unicorns and, and robots, robots <laughs> and all kinds of cool shit. So, um, and Mega Man, I mean Astro Boy. Uh, this one is interesting to me because it, it deals a lot with identity. The storyline revolves around Adolf Hitler's identity, but it also revolves around the other Adolf's identities, especially uh, Adolf Kaufman, the half-Japanese, half-German kid, is really interesting to me. Japanese. Yeah. Yeah, because like he's growing up in Japan, and he's unsure whether or not he's Japanese or German, and he gets you know beat up on as a kid because he's... I thought Kaufman was the other German Camel's Adolf. the Jew. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Kaufman is the... Okay. His father's a Nazi. Um, it's interesting because um, 
not that big of a spoiler alert at the end of this one he ends up being shipped off to the adolf hitler school to Uh like become a nazi and get brainwashed and i the development throughout the series of those two characters and the relationship is really interesting because it definitely in this in this whole series tezuka's not afraid to just like raise stakes as much as is humanly possible and it's a very good historical scenario to raise stakes with and also i think like in general this series just uh, it you know it's not 100% historically accurate obviously but at the same time it, it gives a whole perspective from what the japanese perspective on what all was going on on the european front of world war 2 was and he has like at the end of every issue he has actual historical facts of what's going on uh-huh. in both countries which i think is interesting because there's a lot more information about the pacific front than <laughs> we do they usually do, see it, here it in America. yeah do they get into that because this is usually the the walk to war you know it, because yeah. it's in the 30s yeah this is this happens. starts in like 1936 but the entire series goes 1936 to yeah, 1945 it starts at the berlin olympics right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. it's it's interesting to to read it and and see it from knowing that it comes from a japanese perspective um for for two reasons one because it um i i'm always interested in seeing the japanese perspective of not necessarily their um like their attacks on america and the war on that front mm-hmm. but their um the fact that they are considered part of the axis and yet from many Japanese perspectives, they weren't really Germany's ally. They right. were and that's a the completely sense I get the book too. they were a completely separate front of the war that had really like they weren't sympathizing with Hitler. They were on their own kick, doing their own thing. Mm. Fuck China, um, fucking China, yeah, right? <laughs> um, Rape a non-king, like you do. And they just happened to pick kind of the, the wrong <laughs> point in history to do it. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, but the other part that I think is kind of funny is is this translation of the book has some strange American colloquialisms that mm-hmm. they have tossed in in the place of what were clearly probably Japanese colloquialisms mm-hmm. um, that make it that give it this kind of weird feel where you're like okay this this main character I'm following is Japanese like in the first part of the book especially but yeah. but he says some things and the people around him say some things that are like they're in like a borough in New York you know cotton. and it's yeah so it, it's um it's kind of a weird feel in that first part of the book uh but I I got over that pretty fast I just thought it was something that was worth mentioning yeah but. for sure I mean there is I feel like there's kind of a weird feel in the book in general because it's a very serious subject, but not only is there like the translation colloquialism issue, but um, there's a lot of very chibi-esque graphics and occasionally there's like really like Hitler's being adorable right now. And I'm like, this is strange. Yeah. (laughs) Like, like have this great mental image of Hitler doing the, the giant eyed thing that you see in anime sometimes. <laughs> and then like, and he's like, hair, man. like in his, in his head slinks down, there's the giant sweat drop. And I'm just like, yeah, <laughs> right? that's fucked up. <laughs> that it it a is a little bit. And that's kind of why I find this fascinating is because it's, you know, he's not super like, he's not one piece or anything, but uh, in terms of style, but he's very manga style. And it's interesting to yeah. see a serious subject put in, you know, occasionally like, 
it has Hitler or Toge or somebody just like freaking out and being super cartoony. But Straw Hat Pirates see, versus yeah. Hitler. That's the problem. Yes. That's the problem that I had. One of the problems I had with the book was the fact that I felt there were were times where that actually pulled me out of what was going on. I could understand and that. It was especially like the the point that I brought up with Joel. I was talking with him the other day. Was there's a scene where Toge is tailing a girl who was his. His so his brother gets murdered for the listeners. His brother Toge's brother gets murdered in the beginning of the book, and a lo- the whole beginning part of the book is Toge trying to figure out who murdered his brother and finding out that it's ba- it was Nazi related and it got covered up. And he's following a girl who was in a relationship with his brother, and he's like on a balcony overhearing a conversation where he finds out that she was actually a Nazi agent. And was informing on his brother. And when he finds out, he does this very anime, like, (laughs) arms waving out at his sides and one foot in the air and the sweat drops flying off his head. And he falls off the balcony and catches himself with his legs and his hands and is hanging upside down. And he does this, like, he's got this really goofy anime, you know, kind of look on his face when he's going, she was an informant and got my brother killed and buried in a farm somewhere out in the middle of the fucking German countryside. Z-emoji Nazis. And I was like, hmm, that, I was like, that pulled me out of it at that point. I was like... I just, you know, just be serious about it at that point. Like, there's there's times when, like, when he's when he's in the Nazi guy's house. Yeah. And they're playing Wagner at ridiculous volume. That, that stuff, seems appropriate. That's her. appropriate for the goofball anime or manga, manga style, right? Where you're just, you've got, like, the, the crazy eyes and the sweat drops and the, <laughs> you know. But yeah. the... The moments where you're trying to portray a serious revelation in the storyline, it, it, I don't know, it just didn't fit and it pulled me out. And the, throughout the series, there are occasional moments of just like really ridiculous comedic slapstick stuff kind of in the middle of this extremely serious storyline. I'm not quite sure what to make of it. It doesn't necessarily bother me, but it's interesting to note. It's sort of like, why, why did Tezuka do that? Yeah. Yeah, there's one scene where he's being he finds his brother and then he gets chased by the Nazis in a car and he's a he's this this track star but there's one scene where he's running away from the car and he does the they do the same thing with his legs where he's running like the road runner. Yeah. His, all his legs are just like, <laughs> Yeah, and he's yeah. like, "Damn, that guy's fast." <laughs> Damn, Shaggy, the Nazis are going to get us, <laughs> yeah. right? You know, so I think Anne was was best. She put it best that this is kind of historical fiction, it really because is. because all pretty much all that I know about World War Two is that uh, Pearl Harbor, and then uh, you know we we had D Day, and everybody <laughs> no right? no honestly That's all that though, happened. I mean because we don't we don't know we kind of know what happened with Hitler and how he militarized Germany and got everything going and started World War II. But we don't really know about the Japanese part. I mean, I, I've heard some intimations about uh, the rape of Nanking, but you, I don't really know what preceded that and what caused that to happen. It's not something that we spend a lot of time on in no, history classes no, in this country. No, we don't. We don't, we don't want to see the other perspective of, you know, why this happened. Way over on the other side of the world. Yeah. And the aside from it really us. Was. Yeah. Tra- Trail of Tears, you know, that was like 200 years ago who cares yeah just we'll, we'll just camps, get over it whatever just get over it this happened but you know Pamphlets one of the about japanese versus chinese and how to the, tell the difference and 
Japanese look more evil than Chinese. <laughs> and, you know, and, and today, whatever, and today you know, only, we're going to talk about uh, slavery in history class. And <laughs> that's all we're going to need to do. And here's Gone <laughs> with the Wind. There you go. Gone with the Wind. Watch Roots. Okay, there you go. About you know about slavery. There were slaves. Abraham Lincoln rose up and freed them all, yeah. and there was never anything else. And then right? Kuta Kinte ended so, up on a spaceship exploring through deep yeah, space. So, yeah, so before... <laughs> that's a whole story. <laughs> he was on the spaceship. Yeah, he, he was, he was. Yeah. The visor gave him away. Yeah, so one, one of the things this book does <laughs> is that it, it does a little timeline before, before each setting or each chapter that kind of gives the setting of what was happening beforehand and happening at this time. And there, uh, one thing I didn't know about was how everybody was going, they were all going towards fascism. So Germany was fascist, Italy was fascist, Japan was going towards you know, militarism, domination, and going away from the emperor. So the military was taking over. And that happened the, before, by the way. I, yeah, but the one thing I didn't I didn't realize that uh, kind of struck me as funny is that everybody was against communism then, you know. So mm-hmm. I, yeah. I I did read whom for whom the bell tolls, so I know about the the Spanish Civil War, but I we we really sided with the communists, you know, because they were they were the lesser evil. Sure. And so we fought with them. I mean, Japanese we helped because, them out. Because communism at the time I don't think was seen I, well, I still don't think it was seen as as oppressive as fascism. Well, um, I'm pretty sure. I'm I, pretty no, don't. I, I'm just I thinking know. of the Eddie Izzard fascist routine. We're no, talking I, about all the Italians on the scooters <laughs> going, ciao. <laughs> the trains ran on time, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. It would take fascism to make that I happen. I mean, I know there was a lot of people pissed off about the Red Revolution in, sure. in Russia, but then, you know, that was 20 years before. But the thing is, is that we kind of made our own. We had some strange bedfellows during that time. It's like, well, sure. who's, who's against that? So, yeah, let's go communist. And then as soon... We sided with Canada. What, what the hell's going on? <laughs> and, as, and as soon as the war was over, then it was like, oh, we need somebody. Oh, yeah. you know what? We really don't like you, you're, communists. You're our hat. There you go. <laughs> Why were we defending the French? So that's uh, one of the things... the French I, were badass. <laughs> Cheese-eating like, surrender they, monkeys. Yeah, they get invaded like three weeks in, and then like seven guys... Like slowly whittle away every single Nazi (laughs) while crawling naked through barbed wire and killing people with nothing but cheese. (laughs) (laughs) Smell this Limburger. Wait, that's these are our rations and our weapons. Yes, meant to infiltrate enemy lines. Uh, It's Limburger. Watch out, he's got a baguette. (laughs) (laughs) those, Those things are tough baguettes uh, so that's one thing that i kind of learned is like okay it puts everything in a setting and one thing that i thought was really strange was that the um that they have these these white guys these white kids in in japan where they were being persecuted for being for, for being, being white, white. Yeah. yeah and then there's a whole scene Gaijin. at the beginning yeah there's a whole scene in the beginning where they're like hey white boy you're white so on a on a side tangent for just a sec you, you just said gaijin i remember Reading this, um, reading this, and seeing the scenes where they're making fun of the younger of the two Adolfs mm-hmm. and calling him, you know, calling him white boy, calling him foreigner and stuff, and I realized that just a stupid little like cultural realization. When this book came out in eighty two, was it like eighty two? Think so. They put there. you know they put foreigner and white boy and stuff in there, and I I can I could imagine if they retranslated this book now or if this book is being translated now. The term gaijin has infiltrated our society yes. so much that they would put it, just put it in the book, probably. and it would probably make sense to most people that read it, because 
we know what it means now. Honestly, I would be fascinated to see this retranslated in a modern age. Like, I think it would update some of the the slang issues, and I would just be interested to see, like, if anyone has a new take on it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you know, so it was it was funny to see from a different cultural we- reference that um, you know white people being being persecuted against for being white, which is I find strange. Um, no, from my I know. perspective, I know. yeah, but it, and so there's there's that, and also the fact that uh, a German and a and a Japanese woman, a German guy and a Japanese woman, have a blue eyed, blonde haired kid. That was interesting. And I was mentioning this it a little earlier. It, really it, recessive genes. Both my there. parents yeah, have dark hair and dark eyes. Yeah, okay. yeah, but I mean, Japanese has been you know, closed off for a, a long time. <laughs> There's not a lot of blue eyes or you know foreign genes coming in. Blue eyes have only been around for like six thousand years, dude. Really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyone with blue eyes can trace their ancestry back to a certain individual. But hmm. the world's only been around for three thousand. So four thousand and four. That's true. You're you're right. I, yeah. <laughs> Dinosaurs are just tricks of the devil. Exactly. Uh, those Jews. Anyway. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm okay. Sorry. Take that out of context. But that's one of the biggest things that the world's around. So as I was saying to Luke earlier, one thing that I think is interesting about this particular edition of, as opposed to the ones that I found in the library in the, in the back in the day, was uh, that these have super, this is published by Cadence Books and they have super serious covers. Yeah, photographic covers. Like, photographic mm. covers for Ozawa Tezuka's art, which is really interesting to me. And also they have like throughout them they have pictures of the young Adolfs and in the photo pictures on the covers they're dark haired and dark eyed yeah. versus the blue eyed blonde haired that's in the Yeah, this kid is like He looks half Japanese. He's Japanese, yeah. Actually looks mostly Japanese, yeah. but whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I thought that was interesting too. And I think that was, I mean, I think that was a strategic choice, and it does sort of take away my willing well, suspension would, of disbelief. He wouldn't be able to go to a, a Hitler school if if he right. wasn't. And he does get a lot of shit in Hitler school. And oh, he does? Yeah. Oh, yeah. very much so. At some point, he and two others that are not pure blood Aryan are taken out for a loyalty test to shoot some Jews at age 12. God damn. One Seriously. of the Jews he knows. That's all yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. Really? Okay. Shit gets deep. Shit does get deep with this. No, series. and I, you know, and I love that because, because for one, the, you have the father, right? And the the father, the German father, is doing some serious shit, all in the name of Nazi Germany. And he 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 gets confronted with this with this murder. He's like, oh, I have nothing to do about this. And so the the smart detective comes back later. The old guy, he's like a Japanese Columbo, comes back and <laughs> says, it goes to the wife and says, you know, we. We have this picture. Can you explain this? And, you know, photographic proof that this guy was the one that killed him. And then the wife goes through this this whole trial of trying to, like, no, he couldn't have. Can he, you know, can my husband mm-hmm. be this evil? And <clears throat> and so you kind of see it from, from the other side where, like, not all Nazis were bad or yeah. it's just this well, situation. And they, right. And they started that with the with the girlfriend of the of the of Toge's brother as well, where she was a, she was a member of the Nazi party and she was she mm-hmm. was a follower. Um where and it, it was interesting the way they ha- the way that he handled it at the beginning because, you know, she was just a person and it he portrayed it at the start when he first met this girl 
it was just a political party, a powerful one, but a political party nonetheless, until they show up at the rally with the 150,000 people. And and that's when, you know, the way he kind of portrays it in here is, oh, they're a political party. They got some radical views, but they're, you know, they're just doing their thing. And they're, you know, they're in charge of the country right now. And then they get to that rally. And that's when Hitler starts going off about, you know, pure, pure breeding yeah. and yeah. we need to kill the Jews and blah, blah, blah. And everybody kind of goes, yeah. And that's when you you realize that there are people that are like, well, um, yeah, yeah, no, but me, and and that's and that's one of the great things about it because you see this kid who has met his Jewish this Jewish boy who put up put up with him and they became friends. You know, he's like the only friend that he had around there because all, all the other Japanese kids were picking on him, and so he knows that this guy is not this kid is not evil. But as soon as he comes home to his parents, it's like, oh, no, he's a parasite. No, 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 all Jews are bad. You know, it's like so he hasn't been indoctrinated yet. And you have to you see that kind of indoctrination that this kid is trying to resist. But he really can't. And that, too, was one of the things that that caught me about about Toge's uh, reaction to Hitler at that rally was clearly Osama Tezuka's way of showing the Japanese culture's attitudes toward him, right? Where he was standing in the rally and Hitler's talking about, you know, even before Hitler starts talking about killing Jews, he's just standing up and, and Toge's like, the guy's just an actor. He's not even, he's not, he doesn't, he's not even wearing his hat and he's not really that, he's not really, he's just charismatic and that's all there is to it, you know? And it's in, clearly hindsight is twenty twenty, right? But, but it's interesting to see you know the the portrayal of of a Japanese person looking at those those events because in American culture we never we never get any differentiation between those two cultures they both they were we were in a war against both of them and that's all that matters to Americans right yeah the important so. part is that horrible horrible things were done by every single side of that war sure. oh yeah. Mm. Us and them. Well, that's the nature of war. Shit happens. You know, bad shit happens. You lock up entire races of people like you do. Yeah, I mean, we had internment camps in this country full of Japanese people for no good reason. That were U.S. citizens. Yeah. Yeah. Some of them born in this country. Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, like, we, we can do exactly the same. But, and, and that's the one thing is that it shows the government and how much they controlled, especially that early, that first chapter where he goes to meet his brother and his brother is there and he's like, oh, he's dead. And the next moment, he's just gone, just disappeared. He goes to ask yeah. around, like, nobody knows where he is. I don't know. He, Go he up to his room. Existed. He never existed. Yep. Uh-huh. And that's, that's how well the government controlled that area and everybody was, was goose stepping right along with him. Yeah. You know? <laughs> And it's just it kind of puts everything in perspective because yeah. Yeah. we don't really see that perspective. Uh, we're what we're told in our history books in our public schools is completely <laughs> Garbage. different. I mean, even though it's a fi- it's a fictionalized story, see the story from another perspective in, from another country and how how foreigners were treated there, and and how just how the government walked right into into war because it wasn't mm-hmm. it wasn't kind of like hey let's just attack china let's go you know let's bomb pearl harbor yeah. no they, they actually there were steps that were they took the emperor down the military was established and then it's like oh hey we need to get get into nanking and in china and, mm-hmm. and it just right from there they went even further so it's it's kind of it you can see how how it was the progression to war which we really don't don't get and that was a learning point for me and and that's that's one of the things that that was interesting 
because it's something that another thing that I never learned in in school, and it, it's part of me wonders how much of um, I have to wonder if there's any revisionist history in here, where um, it seems like. Osamu Tezuka is attempting to portray not just the the Japanese people but his own government as less aggressive than it actually was where the government itself was not the people that were attacking China and yeah. attacking you know started the Pacific front I think it helps it, it was a effectively he's portraying this as his government was overthrown by a military that was starting this yeah. campaign yeah. right yeah um, i think his choice of of theater helps too because most of it is about sort of like these peripheral characters that are dealing with the european theater yeah. and he, mm. he vastly ignores most of the atrocities that yeah. japan itself was committing mm-hmm. yeah yeah now king was just a little postscript in his <laughs> timeline you know let's, let's move on to yeah slaughter <laughs> it was like a rape of non king it happened Okay, and then what happened was the Germans. <laughs> <laughs> so Japan was totally nice yeah. to the Jewish people that came from Germany. Okay. Well, yeah. yeah, and that's one thing is that the, the, it's funny because the, the one SS agent goes up to the Japanese Jewish family and says, you need to tell us you know, who did this. It's like, we're not in your country. You, know? yeah. you might consider us German, but we're not in Germany anymore. You have no power over me. Well, I can revoke your visa. It's like, well, we got permanent visas. There's nothing, and if you do, we'll just move to another country. Yeah. You know? So that nationalism that everybody should rally behind this, this swastika, he's like, we're, we're not... We're not doing that. Yeah. You know? And that's that's sort of the theme of interestingness to me about this book is like how it messes with concepts of race and nationalism and all of the like extreme political values that happened during World War II. Mm. It, nothing is particularly morally clear cut as yeah. much as, yes, I think there's a strongly he's not villainizing Japan. Yes. <laughs> at all. But it, it it's still interesting the amount of gray he manages to throw in there. Well, and I think that was I think that was part of part of the point of that particular scene too was was portraying the concept that um, the the Jewish kind of people that he he's portraying in the book um, the whole one of the whole reasons why the Nazis kind of singled them out was because of their lack of nationalism, mm-hmm. right? That's one of the things they point out. They're like, "Oh, they're parasites that just move everywhere and take over everything." Yeah. And they're loyal to country, exactly yeah. right. And that's and to them that was in, that was evil. Yeah. Uh, that was a problem, like because you're supposed to be fucking loyal to your country first, and then everything else comes later. Yeah. Um. So, you've been very very quiet, Andy. I just have nothing good to say about this book. I. Re- okay, so as a historical lesson, this is very interesting. As a comic book, this holds zero appeal to me. Really? It just, it didn't do anything for me. Like. <laughs> it had a plot. It, it did have, it had a plot, but it seemed, this like, this is the same problem I had with Neil Gaiman. To a certain extent, it seemed a lot more wordy than it needed to be. Hmm. Only punching. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see two superheroes kicking each other in the cock for 18 pages <laughs> per issue. And then, like, some Hostess fruit pie ads that Daredevil's <laughs> like, yeah, take that. <laughs> um, no, <clears throat> like, as I said, I just, I couldn't get into it. It was just, I, I don't want to say bland or boring. It was just, 
<laughs> it was just you didn't uh, like it. it I didn't stir you. Like I it was <clears throat> okay, but it wasn't. So from a historical, I can't. It's Mad Libs. Finish this. <laughs> Insert noun here. Insert adjective. So from a historical viewpoint, I can understand and appreciate what Osama Tezuka did with this. For instance, the colloquialisms that are used. That shows up, you know, nowadays in like Blade of the Immortal when yeah. the samurai warriors who are, you know, from the street talk like street thugs. That yeah. sort of stuff happens. I mean, he is pretty much the father of manga. Jazz talks jive. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hell no. <laughs> uh, like, historically, I can appreciate this book, but it's too far back. Like, this would be the equivalent of us on After the Fact to doing a Atari 2600 game. It's too far gone. I can't. Not, I can't yeah. not critically look Joust. at it. Joust. Interesting. Joust. I see because I don't. I don't. I I disagree only because there are some stories. Uh, yes, I do agree that the style is kind of dated because uh, because, but that's more because it's Osamu Tezuka, not not because of the time period in which it came out. I think the story is. It's a very serious story. Yes. With like so, as an American. Um, the specific oh, here we go. This spe- actually okay. <laughs> let me rephrase it. As someone who's descended from someone who's Jewish, uh-huh. um, like it's a very serious subject, mm-hmm. and I don't want to see you know like the Scooby Gang running away from Hitler. Be like they're going to send us to the showers. Yeah, and I don't mean that in an insulting way, but just there are various scenes where it's too comical for the uh, subject matter. That's what I was saying earlier. I, I I agree on that point. Actually, there are times when it's just too. I feel like it that's looks too goofy uh, for what what you're trying to the point you're trying to get. Okay, I don't think the overall characterization or plot is goofy, but he definitely has stylistic goofy moments yes. that and I feel the, like are really anathema to an American audience. In some, right, they do in not belong extent. in a book of this nature. You know, yeah, and also it, it uses the rose-colored glasses a little bit for Scotch, especially for Japan. Yeah. yeah, I mean, okay, I can understand if you want to do a book on you know the Japanese aspect of what happened during World War II. That's cool, but you will fucking handle that correctly and you will tell it, you know, not as a fictional story where you're maybe using, you know, well, they weren't that bad. See, now now you're getting into a subject where I'm like, Americans do that all the fucking time oh, yeah. and I don't approve of that like either. Like, constantly. But but it's, it's so pervasive in our media. That's fine. Especially in our fictional that, media. That doesn't mean I have to like it. Well, that's yeah. true, but... but I'm. I wish I knew what your reading history was because I'm willing to bet that you've read stuff and liked it that has that views American culture through those glasses. Yeah, yeah. Amongst others, yeah, but that's not. But that's not a, a historical thing. All right. I I, I kind of see that. I mean, fictionalizations to me don't they don't need to always be like historical fictionalizations don't always need to be accurate and or serious like even if they're taking on a serious subject like when you look at you look at i mean i'm not saying it's a good movie but you look at a movie like pearl harbor right where they make out the Doolittle raid at the end to be like the end all be all of the war like it was the greatest fucking thing that ever happened in american yeah. history and it, it was it was meaningless it was meaningless right um i still haven't seen that movie yeah, I mean, and it, you're lucky, sir. There's a lot of things. There's a lot of movies that we've movies in fiction that we've made where we take a fictional storyline and we plug it into a historical event. Titanic, and I'll and I'll bring up Titanic because I actually think Titanic's a very good movie. It's I'm gonna sink this bitch. <laughs> right. It's the difference though is with Titanic, it was an accident. 
That, no, that's fair. Okay. That's totally fair. Like, and I don't mean to get up on a high horse or anything, but there are just certain things. I not mean, iceberg you know, genocide? Not iceberg genocide. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, you know, like, so let's say 30 years from now, someone did something on September 11th and they put a comical spin at any point in that. That's bullshit. Okay. So just, I, it's, a, it's but, a very, it's, but I just to ask you, okay. So Slaughterhouse Five, have you read that? Yes, I have. I okay. like Vonnegut. Yeah. yeah, so the, he he puts a comical has spin. Some comedy. Yeah, it does have some. He does make it pretty well, wacky. Okay, okay, so so wait a but, minute. There's there's all kinds of that examples of that though. Like Inglourious Mash bastards. Yeah, Inglorious Bastards. Mash. It's an entire sitcom based around the Korean War about people in the Korean War, and they make fun of shit in the Korean War, and they make fun of Korean officers. They yeah. make fun of the conflict. Like I think they have a I Tumblr mean, page for this. It's called Too Soon. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Black Sheep Squadron was another was another show that it's so, an older show, but it was like okay. a World War Two. I've set maybe the, seen two episodes of Mash. Sure. Uh, and I've seen like bits and pieces when like uh, I can't remember who it was who like quit from the show and they're like his helicopter crashed there were no survivors and that's how they wrote him out of the show yeah, yeah. that sort of stuff I've seen so much less but, cool than Tasha Yar like, <laughs> I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna watch Mash because that doesn't do anything for me and I feel like sort of he was trying to tackle a very serious subject. Mm-hmm. And he just went about it in the wrong way. Mm. I think he went about it in a very typically Japanese way. I w- and yeah, I don't I mean say... that it's the wrong way. I mean that there's a lot of manga tropes that seem fucking weird to us. Because unless you read a buttload of manga, which admittedly, if anyone reads a buttload of manga in this table, it's you. I don't know. I feel like I think coming maybe... from the cultural context, I, I, I guess I rather I needed to think of the cultural context as a lens when I'm yeah. reading this book. Right. And, and also, I think one one thing, the reason why he made the decision to kind of make it comical, at least this this is my interpretation, that he wanted to make it approachable on a, a really, really serious subject. And so he, he decided to go after kids. So kids, if they read this, they they won't be lost in, OK, you know, this is. This is all the jingoism, and this is how the military. There's, I think this was aimed at adults. Though. Yeah, yeah, this was not aimed at kids. I mean, there's what five of these. Yeah, yeah. So this is you know pretty much a fifteen. Well, actually, yeah, page. There, there is a sex scene. kid. There's kids, sex there's mix. several. It gets yeah. yeah there's murder. There's no, no, there was sex. there was only one. Like, more there isn't. There's the one sex scene where Toge's screwing the. Uh, Japanese chick, and then there's the one where the Nazi guy the is screwing his wife. Where Toge uh, is screwing the Japanese yeah. chick. Yeah. yeah, there are several of those. No, no. Uh, what happens with the the guy and his wife? No, true. He, you couldn't really. Are you are you really gonna go there? Yeah. You're gonna you're gonna get all semantical on me. No, I'm just saying the guy was a little impotent oh, because okay. he was thinking about the murder of the geisha yeah. that he did now. And, and <laughs> no, but I mean, doesn't count as sex if I get all impotent because I'm thinking about murder. <laughs> so, I, I guess as a summary, like if some, so follow me through on this, like. The Vietnam War, from your MASH example, the Vietnam War, Korean ha- War. or Korean War, I'm sorry. Um, you know, the Korean War did happen, and <laughs> no, just, please just follow my... I'm, okay. no, I'm trying, I'm trying. <laughs> Government conspiracy. But at no shape or time during MASH do they say, you know, this is a serious show. It's not really intended for that. Okay. It was entirely parody as opposed to something that's sort of bridging the two like this. Yeah. I don't... There are cer- I guess there are certain subjects that you just, you shouldn't treat them lightly. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so I respect that. I, so t- I can't. To, Andy, to bring it back, you must to- like this book. No, 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 no. No, fuck you. Like <laughs> it. Like it now. No. You must like it. No. Can you feel I'm his brain powers working now? Now, because I got I got made fun of this when I brought it up. 
now you know how I feel about the way they portrayed the killing of Kingpin's daughter or son in, in Punisher. Okay. Right? It was a subject that I just couldn't, I couldn't flip that switch to where it was like okay to be entertained by it. Yeah, like that makes sense. Uh, you know, we'll be. I'll be completely honest. I'm probably one of the most desensitized people that you know I've ever <laughs> met. Like, I got no problem watching some horrible, horrible things. However, you know, if real people you know died, and this is based on that, and I don't mean like one or two. Yeah, right. there, there's a certain point. It's like you know what, this is not something that should be entertaining. Like if you know, if you're trying to you know explain a lesson or a story. Okay, I can I can go with that, and I can understand. I can appreciate what he tried, but I I got I have to say that I, I think your wording, I I get the point you're trying to make, but it is okay. It, to me, it is okay for there to be entertaining stories based around these things because if you're not. Not every story that is told about World War II has to read like a textbook. Oh, God, no. Um, because look at Saving Private Ryan. That is very realistic. It's very gory. It's very like serious. But it is also an entertainingly told story. It is a movie that I can watch and be like, okay, I can, th- I'm entertained like this. So this is, yes, Saving Private Ryan, but no one's saying r- Saving Ryan's Privates? you guys both saw that movie. and I, and I think I'm saying I think I might be saying the exact same thing that that Anne said but I, I there's a lot of the goofiness quote unquote goofiness in this book that I don't think is in I don't think when he was writing and drawing it intended to be goofy it was just that was the style that was the style mm. of the of the time and of the culture and the things that I was bringing up like the wavy arms and the falling off the, it was it, I don't think he was trying to make light of the situation as much as he was just trying to portray it in the style that he was used to writing right. stories. So the thing is moment. that yeah. 30 years later, as a, as a cultural context, right. what we associate those with... Yeah, it's like seeing it cartoons looks, yeah. from our co- cartoons from our history with characters in blackface, and that's supposed to be a joke, yeah. and it's not really a joke. It's not really that funny. So, yeah. Uh, okay, so one thing I do find goofy is the, the whole note. The whole note thing. The documents. Yeah. The, no. When the kid the, writes or the, the kid confession. Writing, yeah. Yeah. Puts it in yeah. the beetle hole and then they do this whole interrogation. <laughs> we must know who said this. Like, really? I feel like that was somewhat believable based on like the government disappearing people thing that had been established as the government of the, and, as and this overbearing were, were they presence. just so afraid that they have this one dissenter? And that they they had to track this down honestly because they're acting that, like it was truth. in that period in time. I think, I think that's, yeah, that's true. I think it was like, yeah. I mean, when you look at a culture that generated us, you know, putting people in tournament camps and some of the some of the fucking McCarthyist bullshit that we yeah. had to deal with in oh, our country, God, yes. yeah, well, you know, true, that true. kind of paranoia existed, yeah, and so, it 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 didn't matter whether it was a kid. The fact that there was someone who said something that they weren't even supposed to know was enough to generate that kind of paranoia. Yeah. And All they're the trying to figure police. out, well, who knew? Well, and yeah. I guess it was, it was a big enough truth that they had to kill somebody. They were killing several mm-hmm. people to find out about this. So from, um, from the Wikipedia, and, and take it with a grain of salt, but they're saying this is where that rumor came from that plays the central role in this story. Um, during the Nuremberg trials, Hans Frank, a Nazi awaiting the gallows, made a claim that he found evidence that Hitler's father, Alois 
was an illegitimate child of Hitler's paternal grandmother, Maria Ann Gruber, and a teenage son of her Jewish employer, Leopold Frankenberger. And when she was employed as a, a cook with the Frankenberger family back in Austria. And so that's, and this was during the Nuremberg trials, and that's where this came up. So this is kind of like a thought that was out there, and I think maybe he was running mm-hmm. with it. Um, Simon Weisenthal reasserted that this wasn't true. So I guess Simon Weisenthal was a um, um, concentration uh, Holocaust survivor mm-hmm. that later went to track down all different Nazis. And so he's the one that put the kibosh on that. But I guess it's still out huh? there, you know, 40 years after the fact that, you know, somebody wrote after a book about it. No. <laughs> how, how much of a mindfuck would that be if, if he was Jewish or a Jewish descendant? Yeah, well. Yeah. Not I mean, that he, much of one, sadly. Yeah. Even, well, the, that's the thing is like, even the thing that's always caught me about Hitler was the f- the fact that. Aside from being a vegetarian painter. Uh, yeah, being a vegetarian uh, artiste. I cannot get this these is trees what white. the fine arts do to people. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, was the fact children that, about art Was school. the fact that he didn't, he regardless of whether he was Jewish or not, he never fell within his own definition of a master race i know you know he was was not tall and blonde he was short he was scrawny he was relatively weak he was dark haired crazy faced but he was charismatic yeah you know and he in such a way that he could you know draw this kind of following yeah but and they just latched onto one scientific thought eva let us have a honeymoon covered in petrol on fire i I'm not going to say that I, I, I really want to read more of the story because I think this, yeah, as a self-contained book, has a kind of an abrupt ending. It does, and it really is the first part. Yeah, it's 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 an abrupt ending, and it's a strange kind of lead-in. It does not feel like a complete story arc in any way, shape, or form. Um, and that I think that might be my biggest criticism of this Fair. particular book is the <laughs> fact that. Uh, you know, it's the same criticism a lot of people had of like of movies like The Two Towers, where mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like a movie. It doesn't feel like its own movie. Like I, I thought, it ended just like every you know Incredible Hulk episode. You know, sad <laughs> music. Next time, more punching. The, 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 main, the main character walking off into the sunset. We call that the Pat or Man being dragged exit. off to a Nazi school. In in this case, okay, okay. So no sad music. Is that what happened to Pat? <laughs> <laughs> um. So, I don't know. I, I mean, yeah. I, you clearly like it, but as an individual book, I think uh, it is nowhere near as strong alone as it is as part of the series. Okay, true that. True that. I think that the story structure that Tezuka is using is not the same as our as most classic Western story structures, mm. and it's not as you know Joseph Campbell informed, episodic, strong monomythic story structure i think Mm -hmm. it's it's he's working with parallel stories to begin with and i don't think shit gets real until the second trade okay this is kind of like the setting up and and can i just make one comment that i think this is kind of funny because like japanese cartoons and tv shows they have they go one complete story arc and they're done you know Mm -hmm. whereas in american cartoons that shit runs on forever no it's totally episodic but they're their literature and their their um, manga goes on over several books. Even though it's an episodic story, they 
they make it a self-contained storyline. They don't. They're not. Yeah. They're but not yeah. writing with the idea of being of going on ad infinitum. Yeah. They're they want a beginning, middle, and end, which I can I can totally agree with because that's the kind of story I usually like too. I like self-contained shit that has an ending to it. Yeah. But instead of stuff that just keeps on going and going. And yet yeah. We read Marvel. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I don't read much Marvel. I do. So, whoops. I like. I, I mean, I think we already know what you think of it. It doesn't intrigue you enough to read the rest, so, though. As for, like, there's a part of me that kind of wants to see where it goes. Mm-hmm. But like, if I read the second volume and it had some more wackiness in it, it had some more wackiness. Yeah, in it. I. And you're not I, you're not able to put that aside as a through like. And said that cultural lens, like I just I can't do it. Yeah, nah. that's fair. Uh, I mean, I'm not gonna. I'm, oh no, I, I can't argue <laughs> about that point because it's 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 like any work of art. It you know sometimes you just can't. If that turns you off. That yeah. turns you off. Yeah. Like as far as the the buy borrow or burn thing goes, though, like I'm really be stuck between a, a rock and a hard place because I don't want to. <laughs> re- I don't want to recommend this to anyone. However, I ironically have a very hard time saying burn the book. Right. Okay. Especially when it costs $153 on Amazon.com. Hey, I got that used <laughs> one for like 50 Wow. 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 Still. Wow. I liked it. I, I, I thought there were some really good compelling scenes to it. And like I said, that is a piece of historical fiction and seeing another perspective. It's, it's, a, it's a good start. It's definitely not a complete work all by itself. Right. It, needs, it definitely needs more. Would you pay $50 for it? Uh, borrow. <laughs> and honestly, I like I mentioned at the beginning, I would also say borrow because this is obscure as fuck, and I'm a cheapskate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. that's a, that's Try gonna be to a, that's gonna be a solid borrow around the around the table. If I could get this for cover, which is what are we looking at? Like twelve bucks, sixteen ninety five. If I get it for sixteen ninety five, I would probably buy it. Yeah, that's um, a good steal in nineteen eighty three. Yeah, I mean, well, and, uh, this printing? volume is not eighty one. It's, it's is it ninety one? It's the first printing too. 95. Sorry. 1995. Yeah. Um, I would... I, I, I'm I going to say borrow, too, be, simply because... I think for the, this for, series, that's practical. <laughs> for, for two reasons. The practical reason is that it's hard to find. It's really expensive. Mm-hmm. The, the artistic reason is that it is a little weird and it is it does take some real hardcore getting used to the way the story is presented and... I don't think that it's going to appeal to a lot of people. There's there, uh, an Ameri- it doesn't market. it doesn't appeal yeah. to an American mass market audience.
there hasn't been a hell of a lot of news in the comic book industry, except for the fact that uh, I, I read a story about Gail Simone is dropping Firestorm. Uh, wow. it, but but and everybody here's the funny thing about that everybody you know because there's an entire article on uh, I think it's Comics Alliance right now about um, the two different of the big two creators and their different problems with females hmm. and DC's being the lack of female creators on all their books in spite of the fact that they have a ton of female lead characters right. in their books um there's only four they said there's only four creators working on any of the new 52 books right now um one writer and three of the other three are artists and is marvel the same no marvel the the problem that they said is that there's more female creators but now that they have canceled x23 mm. almost no female leads in any of their comic books interesting um which, oh, I can't remember her name now. There's an interview with uh, Axel Alonso, who's editor-in-chief of Marvel, and another high-level editor, female, high-level editor at Marvel, where they ask the brilliant question. They're like, why? They basically, I'm paraphrasing and shortening and compressing, but they basically ask, why are there no female characters? And her answer, and it's coming from a woman, was sales the books don't sell. Mm. And that's really what it boils down to. Like the books don't sell and it's, Mm. that's not necessarily, that has absolutely nothing to do with the gender of the lead character. I don't think, I think it has to do with the quality of the book that they're, that they're in. You know, I have to say some of both Uh, to some degree, but obviously like Wonder Woman name three lead female characters that have their own books who aren't villains <laughs> <laughs> plenty of plenty of female villains batwoman and supergirl yeah yeah i said three <laughs> batgirl there you go batwoman supergirl there, marvel yeah they're girl all never got her own book did she? marvel not much she hulk um <laughs> you know miss marvel has a book oh did yeah. she spider woman spider woman she hulk yeah mm-hmm. Batman. um the, like jessica the aforementioned x23 yeah like, i was, want elias <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Is, I mean, is that book any good? I heard it was pretty. Which good. one? Alias, Elias. <laughs> that yeah, Alias, Alias really is good. Phenomenal. Yeah, Alias. Really? Is really it was the good. first Max book, and it is. Yeah, I was thinking about That's buying. Awesome. I saw it. And I was like, because hmm, this is, it's Bendis too. You should yeah. buy it. Okay. If you like Scarlet at all, uh, Andy says it's a better version of Scarlet, and I tend to agree. I still like Scarlet, but it's Scarlet with Elias is really good. I uh, I just I think this argument is interesting because I I mean. It's the same argument that brought up um, Miles Morales, right? It's mm-hmm. like yeah. people want to see themselves represented in the in their entertainment that they consume. Mm-hmm. And if there's not a lot of female characters, then there's probably not going to be as many girls reading comic books. Fancy that. You know? Crazy. Yeah. Um, I don't think the argument against creators is as valid, in my opinion. Um, because, and here's here's the reason I say this. Because the argument tends to boil down and distill into people bitching that there are no female creators. And that I don't And that is true. not the valid argument, right? The it, no comic book company should be obligated to have creators on their staff for any uh race or gender reason, period, right? Like that's like saying saying you need to have more female creators is like saying you need to have more white guys writing books for you. 
But no one's going to say that because white power is hegemony. I, I agree. I, I don't. I, I I don't disagree. I'm just saying that uh, it's you know from a semantic from a semantical standpoint to the publishing industry. No. <laughs> from a semantical standpoint, there's no difference, right? It's I understand that no, and there's uh, no difference from a semantical standpoint. What the hell are semantics then, and how are they connected to reality? You, you should, <laughs> okay, you should not base whether or not someone gets a job on their race or their gender or their orientation. Yes. The quality of the material... would be nice if that happened. (laughs) The quality of the material should speak for itself. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if... And saying that if someone says, you need to have more women writers, that's bullshit. If they say, you should have this writer because this person is better than this person... That's it. That is acceptable. I think that microcosm, I'm fine with that. I think the macrocosm of what does geek culture look like and how are we being exclusive? So you're saying that in, or so, inclusive? Um, Basically, how do we get enough women and people of color who are reading comics and interested in comics and writing their own comics mm-hmm. from their own perspectives to yeah. get good material? I think that's kind of where yeah. wouldn't that wouldn't that involve we're reinventing those. But wouldn't that involve those people stepping up and creating content that's worthy of that? But if Absolutely. it's not going to sell, then nobody's going to publish it. But that's it's kind of so a catch twenty two. The, they're never going to get heard, you know. So it's so that's the thing is is that if you're coming from like a white male perspective, people are going to buy that, so they're going to publish it. Where if it's not if if you're not coming from that perspective, then you're not going to get published. And, but I think the one great thing about this is that this conversation is actually starting. Yes. You know? Oh, yeah, and, absolutely. And that's the thing. They're, 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 maybe because the silent minority is, is finally, or the noisy minority is, is finally making their names heard and this is becoming a subject, then people can look at this and they're like, hey, you know, maybe we should give people a chance, you know? Um, but most of the guys who, who buy comic but, books are white guys. That's true. And that makes the that makes the issue of of Marvel's lack of leads minority leads a very valid point, but I I still don't agree that that requires that 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 placing a creator into a job as a creator because of their race yeah. or their creed or their or their gender that's I just don't see that as valid I don't ever see that in any way valid in any like. Placing, hiring someone because they're a white male is just as invalid to me, right? And it what happens about more often. someone because they're a white straight male in an extremely non-white and very gay drama department because we're looking for diversity? Yeah. I, a different voice, you know. I, I, I kind of disagree with the concept of hiring them on any grounds other than their quality of their work. Yeah. Mm. You know, I that, guess and that's it's the, because that's their the work that is going to be informed by experience. Yeah, or if the playing field was level, yeah, that's the other gotta, half of it. Got to do that, but I mean, it's you know, in a perfect world, that would be the case. Right. But to be entirely honest, and I, and I got to say, and maybe this is a bit of a naive a naive viewpoint, but having having been through the ringer as a, an artist looking for artistic work um, in my past. Artistic work is one of the few places that that is much less of an issue. Mm. I think where, it's much less of an issue, especially for writers and artists, and right. not performers. But right, but writer, writers and artists are the are people where your work and your portfolio is what speaks for you, and mm. you your your race or your gender don't don't matter as yeah. much. Now, 
at the upper echelons in places like old boy clubs like Marvel and DC, maybe it is an issue, right? Yeah, I would think but, so. And that's why I'm saying it might be a, a little bit naive, but I think that there is the the playing field is a shitload more level for an artist based on their race or, or gender than in a, in many the, other fields. Yeah, this that's is fair. true. So and and that is one of those things where your work does speak for you. Like so there's a lot of talk of of the lack of minority creators, not just females, but minorities right. in general. And yet look at the Oh God, I'm going to sound like such a fucking white douchebag right now. But look at the number of creators that are being recruited out of South America right now. Mm. Central American creators who are spec fucking tacular at what yeah. they do. Yeah. And there's no like, um, there's no hesitation to do that. Marvel goes down there. I I've j- I follow CB Sabolsky on on Twitter, who's uh, an artistic recruiter for Marvel, who just spent two weeks in South and Central America and said he saw some of the best shit he's ever seen in his life, mm-hmm. and recruited people to do that artwork for Marvel. Right. Yeah. So I think South and Central America is becoming a major comic superpower, which is sweet. And I yeah. think that one way out of this ridiculous catch twenty two that is American culture is uh, <laughs> <laughs> publishing like publishers like for second that are about like we're going to take the cultural attitudes of like their their specific goal is to take the cultural attitudes of Japan, France, and America and sort of combine them mm-hmm. and go that route. So they're publishing a lot of stuff that is by a much more diverse selection of creators because they are sort of being like, all right, well, if we're not doing it, then let's combine our intelligences with other countries and kind of make a mishmash. Yeah. I don't know. I think, I think one of the stumbling blocks um, is having minorities in comic books that are not portrayed as either stereotypes or are perceived as being there only to you know, to be a minority there, the just Miles to, Morales to, to be, yeah. um, Miles Morales, I think is handled well, is one of the better yes. uh, in the, in, but I, I think yeah. what, I think what I, and to be honest, I think this would turn everybody off is to see a minority or a female or, or somebody in a comic book and, and think, Oh, they're, they're just there to give the finger to the old boys club, white, white men yeah. that are running everything, you know, and then, the, because that just seems like, now you're not you're not creating something for the sake of the story that you're trying to tell. You're trying to you know you're you're trying to make tokenism. Some token it's just statement. another it's yeah. another form of tokenism. It's not an authentic character in the story. Yeah. No, no, it isn't. So like fucking Luke Cage, Max. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, involuntary twitching brought yeah. on by the title. No, I and you know one one funny thing is Miles Morales was was by Bendis, right? Mm-hmm. And and also he's the one that did Alias and and Jennifer Powers, I think, from a, 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 Alias. No, no, Alias yeah. is, is It's not? No. Cuz I'm I thought she went over into the Marvel universe. Hmm? Well, Powers it's, Powers is being published by Icon now, so they might have they might have Yeah, well, I I know because that crossover. that same character is the one that married Luke Cage. Yeah. Yeah. From you know the from alias, yeah, right. Okay, Power, powers has nothing to do with the regular did, Marvel. Nope. Did I? Did I? What did I say? You said for powers. Yeah. For powers, I meant alias. I you meant know. Jennifer Jones from oh, Alias. Jones. Yeah. Okay. There we go. No, it's not Jennifer Powers. 
Okay. I haven't read the book. (laughs) But. Okay, fine. No, hey. No, but hear me out here. Hear me out. Okay, so I don't know the character's name, but the character has interracial marriage with. And a kid. And a kid. And a fucking kid with Luke Cage, Just which so the I think is pretty perspective. Which is you know pretty about ten minutes ago. Joel stood up and pulled his pants down, yeah. and his ass is flapping in the mic right now. Mm-hmm. So, but it sounds the same, <laughs> and it looks the same too. So. No, but I, I'm saying that the, he, he's Bendis is willing to take some some risk with the mm-hmm. stuff that he does, and. And it pays off. Sure. You know, I, don't, I don't know financially, but he's willing to push the boundaries so that people aren't yeah. willing Seems to Seems like push. he's pretty successful. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, he is. So, but, you know, I have to agree. Yes, you're right. The The playing field is more level now that you've said that because there are some great South American artists and writers mm-hmm. that uh, do some really good stuff. As maybe it's me that's a little myopic with that, you know, only seeing my little perspective of this. And it's is a lot bigger than that, but I, I think there is there needs to be more female stories out there or for female characters. And I think in general, the comics world is moving away from the very like myopic viewpoint of yeah, superheroes absolutely. and superheroes only, and also white male superheroes only. And so it's really just it's the, in a good trend. One of, the, one of the problems that you're gonna have with Marvel is you've got these people who've been around for fifty years, yep. and yes. it's not like all of a sudden. Uh, Wolverine is Chinese and right. no, that would Gambit be ridiculous. Is, yeah, no, but I mean, you've got these core characters that these comic books are based on that are the big sellers, and you're not going to just radically change it. Nope. Yeah, and that's the problem too is that you can't necessarily just introduce a new character and have them be successful, right? I think that's like, why there are a lot of other publishing companies. Exactly. I mean, that's Marvel and DC should do what they do, and yeah. hopefully, eventually, they will end up hiring some women and or having some women fem- like mm-hmm. main characters but in the meantime i'm fine with marvel and dc being the old boys club mm-hmm. just as long as they make enough room for the new which kids it on the seems block. like they're doing yeah. i mean they're 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 giving opportunity like dc is is say what you will about you know their thing that like i remember the, the we already talked about the whole you know lack of female creators thing and yeah. and whatever um but it's that's what I was, I was going to say the same thing. Like you, you, a, you can't radically change the characters that exist. They took that risk with Spider-Man because they Daredevil. could do it in the ultimate universe. Yeah. I know they did it with Daredevil, Black Panther, whatever, but um, they have, they don't have the ability. Like it is about sales with them, right? They're churning out stuff and they need to mm-hmm. meet a certain sales point. It's the same reason why TV shows fail. If the ratings aren't good enough, TV shows are going to get fucking canceled. And you create a new character, and that's a risk. That's why, in my opinion, that's why Marvel has Icon. That's why DC has Vertigo. They can take the risks with those imprints imprints because they don't have to have the big sales. They can print in smaller numbers. Mm -hmm. And they can take those chances. And then if they feel like it, fuck it let's pull a character into the main universe if it becomes popular enough yeah. it's happened all the time look at john fucking constantine mm-hmm. you know is he in the main dc universe yeah. now he has been for a long time well i Hell guess Hellblazer, he's is the longest running vertigo book and he is a main character in the dc universe yeah. as well as vertigo mm-hmm. wow. so hey, he started in swamp thing wow. really mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> maybe i should read that yeah it's not anyway. the book that you have. It's like 
issue 60 or something like that. Yeah. Anyways. Now that we've covered a shit ton of controversial topics on okay. this particular episode of, wow. of Trade Secrets, <laughs> uh, we will wrap this up. Uh, follow us on Facebook. You can follow our... It's uh, facebook.com slash trade secrets podcast, I think. Yes. Okay, Correct. Thank podcast. you. <laughs> uh, follow us on Twitter. We are at Trade Secrets Pod. I am at Geek Elite. Andy is at Mathtastrophe. Joel is at Superfly. Anne is at Ann Bean Tweets. Uh, the main show feed tends to just be show announcements and uh, stuff. So if you follow us all individually, you can hear all of our bullshit rants on Twitter. Crazy mumblings on the interwebs. Mostly me. Um, well, and. Andy you making fun of people. Crazy, I have, crazy I have sporadic bursts. Of madness. <laughs> uh, you can. What, what else do we talk about at this point in the show? We talk about how Facebook you can rate us on and Twitter, iTunes, and it really on, helps us out. Yeah. And then more people will see us. And that's neat. Oh. You can get us on the Zoom Marketplace. Uh, you can go to social.zoom.net, search for trade secrets, and give us a rating and a review. Um, Next pick is mine, right? <clears throat> what? Next pick is mine, right? Uh, I think so. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. We're reading Johnny the Homicidal Maniac. Really. That yeah. makes me so happy. Johnny the Homicidal All right. If you would like to be a part of the show, you can write to us at... Af- oh. You can write to us <laughs> at... Tra- <laughs> I know. I know. Leave me alone. You can write a- write to us at tradesecrets at geekerific.com. We will take pretty much any, mail- any email that's sent to us and read it on the show. That's bullshit. No, we won't. What, we yeah, won't. we will. We, there's at a this good, point, yeah, we There's will. a good chance we might i said just about so there's like a 95 percent chance that we will read what you write on the air even if it's raving bullshit so because then if it's raving bullshit we can make fun of them on the air all right yeah right so uh take a minute to check out our other two shows we have hit the deck podcast which is all about trading card games and deck building games it's uh it's has it gotten any better or is it still nickelback it's still the nickelback <laughs> podcast man uh they're doing a dice game this week they what have are they doing i don't know <sighs> last Sorry. dice game i paid attention to was dragon dice and i think that was circa 96 so <laughs> little, little craps <laughs> anyway go ahead luke sorry so Listen to Hit the Deck Pod. Don't listen to these fuckers. It's actually a decent show. I haven't watched it. It has Clara and she does Russian accents. That's that's a reason to listen Um, to it right now. She doesn't do Russian (laughs) accents. She's Russian. (laughs) There's a difference. She does old country. Yeah. Uh, It is hosted by Dwayne St. Arnold. His co-hosts are Clara Lavernyuk, Kellen Abel, Joe Bono, Bono, and James Dykes. Uh, They're all big in the magic scene in the Seattle area and the WOW TCG. They're really good. Um, you can also listen to the After the Fact podcast, the podcast that started it all here at geekerific.com. Wow. It's all about uh, classic video games. And suffering uh, and murdering <laughs> our childhoods. Uh, me and Andy and Dwayne from Hit the Deck and Matthew Coyne currently. Someday Patrick and Micatron may come back to the show, hopefully. Miscreants and Vagabonds. I've yes. uh, scum and Bellamy. And you can find all of this at www.geekerific.com. Thank you, Ann. <laughs> Thank you, Joel. <laughs> Thank you, Andy. You want a didgeridoo? Didgeridon't. <laughs> I am. <laughs> and we're out. <laughs> <laughs>